0: All right. I want to welcome one of my next guests. We've got NBA Hall of Famer, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Sidney Moncrief. Sydney, how's everything going for you?
1: Zach, everything is going great. Thanks
0: for having me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you are able to uh, talk for a few minutes. So um, so just talking about your early career, so w- did you always want to be a Razorback? Not really.
1: I, I liked football. I was a football guy for years, and then I decided – that basketball was going to be what I, what I would do. And the Razorbacks, not much to talk about doing then, during that time, although they did have some good players. And I would watch, I would listen to the Razorbacks play on the radio, show you how old I am. I would listen to the games and had Dean Tolson and Martin Terry and Lanny Banner, Even. But I really didn't know if I wanted to be a Razorback or not, I went to a basketball camp my senior year in high school. And that's when they hired Coach Eddie Sutton and I think at that point, going to Barnhill, which back then was just a, a, a floor with sawdust all around it. It wasn't very much of a basketball facility, but it was something special. I wanted to, I wanted to stay at home. I wanted to bring recognition to the state of Arkansas. When Ron Brewer and Marvin Def, when they committed to attend Arkansas, I'm like, ah, it would be neat for us guys to play together since we competed against one another in, in high school. And that's when I decided U of A was where I wanted to play.
0: That's awesome. And then, so how did you guys, like, resurrect that program? Because, like, before you got there, you guys kind of just paved the way.
1: We – I think Coach Sudden, Coach Foster, Coach Gene Cady, Frank Rose, they had a vision. They had a vision of how he felt the NBA – I'm sorry, how he felt the Razorbacks could be. And back then it was – as now a football school. But yeah. they wanted to – give the fans something to do in, in between in between uh, fall football and spring <laughs> football, you can just put basketball in there. They had to have they had something for the fans to look at and to be entertained. And I think once we started playing and and the rhythm started happening and recruiting got better, we got Jimmy Counts and Steve Shaw, we started getting more, more players, top rated players from outside of the state and yet they were able to capture players within the state. Coach Sutton had a good system, and we executed the system well. We were hungry. We were all from winning high school programs. I think that was important. We were not accustomed to losing, and we took that mentality in with us when we attended the U of A. That's awesome. And then at
0: that point, were you just focused on college ball or was the NBA on the back of your mind?
1: NBA was nowhere on my radar. I was, I'm a sort of right now person, I believe in just staying in the present as much as possible. Doesn't matter if it's business, relationships, or even sports. And I never projected the NBA. I just knew, I guess I had a growth mindset. I just knew that I wanted to get better every day as a college basketball player. And as I continued that philosophy, I just started getting better, started improving. And there was a lot of talk about me being an NBA player. I was like, "Huh? Me being an NBA player? <laughs> like, are you kidding?" <laughs> I didn't really think about it a lot. I grew up watching the NBA and ABA, and I was one of those kids. It's like, wow, all these guys you idolize, you watch them play, and I didn't really grow up dreaming that one day I would be a, be an NBA player. I just never. I wasn't sure. I just got better and and played on good teams develop good habits, good routines, and good things happen.
0: That's awesome. And then, so, when did you first realize, when did that moment hit you like, okay, like, I, I've, got, I've got a shot at this?
1: I think when I was, after my senior year, and we had a good, we went to the, we didn't go to the final four in down the, the, the state, in down the state, I'm sorry, beat us, in the, I guess, Sweet 16. Or the elite eight elite eight and we didn't make it to the finals. At, at that point, Coach Sudden started talking about agents that wanted to visit with me about representing me when I was when I when I would go to the NBA, I was like, oh wow, got agents. And then, and then people started, well maybe you'll be a first round pick more than likely. And then all of a sudden you go from being a first round pick, you might be a top five pick. You might be a number one pick. And that's when it hit me. But even then I was in the moment. I didn't didn't really think about it much. I just knew Whatever would happen would happen. I would just deal with it. And, Of course, Milwaukee drafted me. I knew nothing about Milwaukee. Wow. I had to go to the Psychopedia. Back like then, we couldn't do <laughs> I had to go back to the old Psychopedia book and look up Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And they had an old black and, white ph- they had a black and white photograph of the lake front. And Unbelievable. Milwaukee, and I had to read up about the city of Milwaukee. So, so, the, so you had
0: no idea they were looking at
1: you? Yes, I knew there oh, no, you did. Oh, OK, I did because I knew Chicago, L.A., Chicago brought me in for a physical examination. And when Don Nelson wanted me to see his doctor, Dr. Leach in Boston, Nellie had a lot of confidence in Dr. Leach. There was a lot of talk about my knees and most teams didn't feel like I would last very long in the NBA. Nellie sent me to Boston. Dr. Leach looked at my knee and say, oh, I think he'll be good for at least five or six years. <laughs> you know. So and I went to Chicago, and they did a, one of those Cybex yeah. tests on my on my knee, and they had me just push as hard as I could, and it flatlined. I, I didn't have any strength in that. I think it was my left knee. So Chicago was like, no, no way. This kid, he won't last a year in the NBA. Yeah, he, did. he did. He did. He did a little bit longer than that. A little bit longer than that. When <laughs> Nelly sent me to Boston, and Dr. Leach, Looked at my knee and he, and he gave Nellie the okay. That's when I kind of felt Milwaukee might draft me. But even I, I heard rumblings about Detroit was going to take me. So I didn't really know. I didn't really care. I just wanted to, wanted to play basketball.
0: Uh Was the draft process any similar to it is today? Or what was like those ensuing months before you got drafted
1: like? Oh, it was just <laughs> nothing like now. Nothing like now. Uh, they sent. They brought the top. Larry Bird was drafted the year before, yeah. although he came out the year I came out. The Boston Celtics had picked him in the late first round. And so Magic, David Greenwood, Bill Cartwright, myself, we all came to New York for the draft. They only, they only brought maybe six or seven oh, wow. guys to New York during that time. And then we just, they had a little press conference when you were drafted. Took a photograph, photo op, and that was it. It wasn't a lot to it back then. They didn't, they didn't, they did televise it, did they? No, it was, it was not. It was wow. definitely televised. That's wild. We came the day before, enjoyed New York City a little bit, and the next day we they did the draft, and it was. I don't. It was so. It was so mundane. I don't remember very much about it except being in New York and taking photographs. Did you go right to Milwaukee after that? No, I went back to Arkansas, hung out in Arkansas, and they brought me to Milwaukee for a press conference, I think during the month of June, this is when I went to Milwaukee. And that was my first time being in Milwaukee. Actually, it was my first time being in the Midwestern city. Oh, wow. Um, I've never been to Chicago. I think I've been to Cleveland for the for the basketball NCAA basketball tournament. So I didn't know what to expect. And it was certainly quite different. I, I liked the people, the vibe. Of the city was good. I could I could tell it was going to be a good fit. Good fit for me.
0: That's awesome. And was there any adjustment period to, for you to the pro game, or was it relatively easy for
1: you? Since I played for Coach Sutton, who had phenomenal fundamental teaching, we knew how to pass, dribble. I was not a great shooter at the time, but I knew how to play defense. The only the only adjustment I had to make in Nelly and Coach John Killalay, bless his soul. He's, he's deceased now. They told me I needed to be more aggressive in how I play defense because in really? the NBA they said you could touch a little bit more. And I was accustomed to college, where you would move your feet, active hands, but you were not allowed to body up on people in college. And I had to make that adjustment in the NBA. Once I made that adjustment, it was it was fairly easy for me because we were accustomed to working hard. We we came from a distance system. Nothing was in the NBA was different for me other than the defensive part.
0: A, a question. So when Bob Lanier got there early, later in your rookie year, what was your first impression when you saw his shoe?
1: Oh, so he has some huge feet. <laughs> yeah, like no one wants to really look at his feet, but you're drawn to look at his feet because you just heard yeah. so much about it. You kind of want to have a conversation. All of a sudden your eyes start going down. Going like, down, don't step on back. me. Don't step on me. Like <laughs> But I remember, I do remember Bob more for his his shoe size because he was such a cerebral player. He played, he played hard. He knew how to play the game. He was a tremendous teammate, and I, we were just lucky to have him on, on the team.
0: Was was Coach Nelson like? Oh, those are bigger than I thought. We need a special order. Him
1: something. Yeah, well, he had, <laughs> he already has custom made. <laughs> i just wanted bob to set picks and and elbow people to get me open he was okay with me that's awesome and then so in 84 is it true that you wore a superman costume on the media guide uh, yeah they had been a superman something <laughs> i still have a media guide and it's pretty it's free too. and they have they had a a tie like blowing in the wind and i had a Superman shirt on and I didn't know what I was doing. Back then just like now, they tell you what to do and you just do it. You don't really think, <laughs> you don't really think anything of it, uh, but you just do it and then years later you look back and say, did I really do that? I guess I did.
0: And then so 83 and 84 you won the first two defensive player of the year awards. Who is the toughest player for you to guard?
1: I don't Andrew Tony was very difficult to guard. Because of his quickness, and he had a great first step. He can shoot a three-pointer. He could drive the ball. He could post you up. He had so many different things he can do offensively with the basketball. But if I looked at a roster, there were there were some tremendous offensive players yeah. that gave me trouble. It wasn't just one or two. Of course, when Michael Jordan came into the NBA, uh, that was a big problem guarding him or, or attempting to guard him. There were a lot of guys that could just flat out play basketball. Gus Williams, people don't talk about Gus Williams. Seattle Super Sonics. Oh, he was a handful when you tried to guard him. Isaiah Thomas, you could just go down the list. Any great player I had to guard, that was my primary assignment. So I, I've guarded a lot of guys or attempted, I mean, on the line, yeah. attempted to guard a lot of great players. George six 6'9, had to guard him. He could post up, finger roll, jump shot, he could jump hook, Kareem hook. He could do everything offensively.
0: Why do you think that only five guards have won it?
1: I think it's just easier for bigger players to get recognition because they quote block shots and they're there to, and, and, and rebound is actually a part of defense. Yep. Rebounding finishing off finishes off your defensive possession. So I think big guys are better rebounders. They're closer to the basket. They block more shots. And when you're a guard, you're doing a lot of the grunt work people don't, don't recognize it as much unless you're really a standout. It's just easier for big guys on the defensive end because they don't have to move. There's, no. You go from one one side of the paint to the other, where guards, we had to go from the corner to the top to the paint, and it's just a lot more movement involved when you're playing on the perimeter.
0: Who do you think is the most impressive defensive guard in the league today?
1: I don't know. I, I, I follow the NBA. I watch it, and I would have to see guys – Play to to even answer that question. Uh, you, if he you gave me a name, I would probably say yeah, him. <laughs> if I really thought they were a good defensive player, but I know there's one or two that sticks out in my mind. But they need to start playing again, so I can remember players' names. Yeah. I couldn't even tell. I couldn't tell you what that would be right now. And then, so I have a question. So after after
0: your ten season in Milwaukee, you took a little bit of a hiatus, and then you came back. What what made you want to kind of hang it up, and then what prompted you to come back?
1: I wanted to make sure that I had gotten every inch of basketball out of my system. You never really get out of your system. I didn't want to, a lot of people say a player can play too long. And I just disagree with that. I think a player should play as long as they feel they can enjoy the game of basketball and be competitive. You certainly won't be at your superstar state as you get older, but you can enjoy the game. You can make a contribution. And you you won't retire later and say, Gosh, I wish I would have played longer. I didn't want to do that. I'd rather have I would have rather have stayed in the game too long than to have retired too quickly.
0: Did you did you ever reach out to Kareem or Oscar about their time in Milwaukee while you were there?
1: I uh, know we have those type of relationships and plus communication was different back I mean now you can email or text or yeah. there's a lot of ways you can contact people now back then you didn't even have a mobile phone until halfway through my career so it was either you saw them or you you uh, used the phone to call people the regular trad- I don't, do people know what the traditional phone is you you know the one you pick up Yeah, no, that's what, that's what <laughs> people probably don't even know <laughs> <laughs> for phone. I, I, I couldn't use it. I, my, my my
0: grandmother used to have one in her kitchen, but like I was always wondering, like how do you? What do you, you spin? Is
1: it? Apparently, they're
0: much better, much better quality than the ones we have today. So maybe they should bring them back. I don't know. You would have to, so.
1: well, you can't take it with you today. You could. Now you you're always occupied with your phones. But back then, it was yeah. it was just one phone and call waiting, and that's all you had.
0: Yeah, you, that was the kind of thing when you get to bring it to the other room and you tie it around your arm and you just kind of like leaning to make sure you don't disconnect the whole thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, so what
1: what led to you going to Atlanta? I've always liked the Hawks as an organization, and I, I like their team. It's something certain cities you like, and so, so when I decided to come back, I wanted to make sure I played in a place that I that I like. And Atlanta was a city that I enjoyed. And I reached out to Pete Babcock at the time and, some, and told them I would like to play. I would like to play and you don't have to guarantee me money. But if I make the team, this is what I would like to be paid. I made it very easy for them to let me come to training camp. And I had so much fun. It was like I was a rookie again. The only thing I didn't like is I didn't have guaranteed money. So I had to, you know, I had to wait to the last day of training camp to know if I made the team or not. Beyond that, it was probably my most enjoyable experience. You play in the NBA long enough at a certain level, uh, you get a little stale, you get a little bored with the game. And I had gotten to that point. I needed something to get me recharged and coming back. That's, it, it recharged my spirit and allowed me to play basketball one more year. I would have played two or three more years if someone offered me a contract, oh, really? but that was they, they told me it was time. When you don't get a contract, people are telling you it's time to leave the NBA. I had offers to play overseas. Oh, really? I, I didn't never knew that.
0: Oh, interesting. So Would Doc Rivers ever be like, hey, like it's practice. like You don't have to stick me that well.
1: You, but Doc, when I was in Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah, well, I played against Doc when he was at Marquette and he was play summer basketball. Then, of course, when we played Atlanta in the playoffs, Doc was just a terror. He would just give us all types of fits. And... That Atlanta team was Dominique, Doc Rivers, Moses Malone, Butwell, Kevin Willis, uh, Kevin Battle. It was a good team. It was yeah. a really good team. John Conkac. We had some very very good players on that team.
0: And then to what at that point you kind of knew you were ready to move on. And I saw that was was there. I saw that there were some rumors about you potentially kind of moving into politics.
1: No, I never. Oh, no no oh, no. All right, so some, okay. some, I, I saw. Yeah, I have some coaching opportunities early to be an assistant coach early, but I had a car dealership and I, I like my independence and I just never got back into basketball. I had an opportunity to do a play-by-play for the Mavericks Nicole. and that didn't quite work out. It had a little problem with the contract. I just decided I would just do my business and enjoy life and just yeah. never, never look back.
0: Yeah, because I saw that Bill Clinton said something about, like, if you were considering it, like, he might have to kind of look behind his shoulder, like, oh, this guy might win. No,
1: he was just saying that. <laughs> yes.
0: That's pretty cool. That's I wild. didn't read it very much.
1: I'm too independent to be a politician. <laughs>
0: that's why. And then, so, were, I, I'm always curious. So, it took a little bit of time for you to get the call from the Hall of Fame. Was that really on your radar at all, or was it just kind of something just came up?
1: It only came on my radar when I was a finalist. But I wasn't one of those players seething in and saying, why am I not in the Hall of Fame? I didn't really know who was in. Like after I retired, there were some guys that went in that I didn't know had gone in. That's how really? That's how much I followed the Hall of Fame. And then when I got in the Hall of Fame, I was like, oh, they're in. Oh, they're in. So I was. it was okay either way. I'm glad I'm in the Hall of Fame, yeah, but definitely. either way I, I, I was okay. What was that phone call like when they let you know? It was exciting. I, well, it was more exciting for my wife than for me. <laughs> but I, I have had the phone call where, sorry, you didn't make it. They, they call you to let you know you didn't make it? Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I thought you just find out. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, because it's only, it's only what, eight to 10 finalists, maybe yeah. sometimes more. And so they will call and say, oh, you came up short. I got that call once. So when I got the call that I had made the Hall of Fame, I just said, cool. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) now people can stop asking me, are you in the Hall of Fame? Or they can stop saying, man, you should really be in the Hall of Fame. I can say, well, I am.
0: (laughs) Hey, hey. That's awesome. And then so talking about the Bucs now,
1: what was your first impression of Giannis when you first saw him play? I was doing the play by play for the Bucs. So I saw Giannis as a rookie up close. And I just thought he was – I knew he would be an all-star from the first time I saw him. I told Jim Paskey my uh, – I did the color, color. I'm sorry. Jim Paskey did the play-by-play. And I told Jim Paskey, I said, when this kid learns how to play at a high level more consistently and play defense, but just play at a high level more consistently, yeah. he'll, he'll, he's going to be an all-star. But he's, ex- he's exceeded yeah. – my expectations because he has a very he has a strong drive to get better and to, to keep keep accomplishing things on the basketball court that most players most players have the mind, they, they have it in their minds, but they don't have it in the hearts. And Giannis is a player that has it mentally and he has a heart to be great and he has a size and all the physical attributes. Mentally, he has a mental capacity. And he's putting he's putting it all together yeah. to become a great player. Absolutely. So,
0: do you like their chances this year?
1: I love I love their chances this year. I still like their chances. You, if you were the best team when everything stopped, yeah. I don't see why you wouldn't be the best team when everything starts back up. Yeah, they have a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. They're going to be ready to play. And yeah, I like their chances.
0: Then I have a question. So if you were in the league today with everything going on in the world, with the ongoing pandemic and the ongoing with the protests happening around the country to put an end to systemic racism, everything going on in the country, and they said, hey, we want you
1: to go to this bubble in Orlando. Would you go? Oh, yes. Interesting. Absolutely. It's only for a short period of time. Yeah. It's not, it's not you're not sentenced to life there. Huh. It's just the situation says, this is what we This is what we must do. Do you love to play basketball? Absolutely. Well, What's the chances of you getting, COVID nineteen. Very slim. Okay. What is the chances of you dying if you get it? Very slim. Yeah. Let's go ball. Let's go play. Yeah. And that's what I would do.
0: Yeah, because I saw they, they laid out like all the amenities and stuff. They got like hikes and got, like, they got like a twenty four hour They got like ping pong. and like it, it looks it sounds like camp. It sounds like summer camp. It's like it, it looks, Yeah,
1: it'd be it's probably hot.
0: It's probably hot though. It's probably really hot. That's only yeah, it'd
1: be challenging. I, it reminds me of why I played in the World University games in Sofield Buck area and we were in a Isolated situation oh. in a foreign country, so at least they're <laughs> they're here in our country. I think they'll be okay. It's like I said, it's a short period of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then so I just have um. So I know you're involved and you involved in a lot of organizations. You've written a couple books. Do you want to speak uh, like a, some of your businesses, like kind uh, of uh, about them?
1: Yeah we we are we are a people development company. We develop and deliver curriculum oh. and this high end oh. workshops and in in several areas, one is building your team, two is workplace readiness, we have a program in entrepreneurship, we have diversity inclusion and equity initiative, and we have fatherhood, motherhood initiative. So if it deals with building people, helping people, that's what we do. We work with schools, we work with nonprofits, government agencies, some companies, and we we build and help people and I love what I do it's like I'm not even working I love what I do that's
0: awesome that's so cool and I got one last question for you so when every when there's a vaccine fingers crossed and everything sort of starts go going back to normal and everything what's the first thing you're looking forward to doing
1: well I do everything now except one, <laughs> except <laughs> one and they're gonna have to bring back my movie theaters real quickly <laughs> <laughs> I could do pop I could do microwave popcorn at home but I don't have a screen quite that big to enjoy a very good movie so I the only thing I really miss are the movie theaters everything else I've been able to work around but not that one What about drive drive-ins would you do drive-ins if they open drive-ins No no you got yeah. to I've done the drive-in when <laughs> I was younger you got to put me inside with, with hot popcorn and a big screen and AC. I'm, I'm in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I did, I did
0: not expect that. That's interesting. That's wild. It's, honestly, with all the places, you know, everybody's pushing back all the movies this year. I'm like, why wouldn't you just like put them out early so people could watch them? Now people have nothing to do. Put them out now. Yeah. Like, this, it's wild. But this has been so much fun. And for people that don't already, how can they find your your, your company and how can they find you on social media if they're not already following? Yeah, you? they can go
1: to SidneyMoncrief.com and sydneymoncrieff.org. We have a for-profit sydneymoncrieff.com and then we have a non-profit sydneymoncrieff.org. And we're doing a lot of work on this diversity, inclusion and equity right now. Sounds and we were doing it beforehand because I think that's one of the most pressing issues that we have before us. And, it's, and I tell people it's not just about talking about it, it's about getting doing. people engaged and connecting yes. Uh, and we do workshops to do that to get them connected and working together, not just having town hall meetings, yeah and find a way that we can just see each other as humans, yes, and not group everyone stereotype everyone and be nice and be kind and just help this world grow better. That's our focus in addition to the other things that we do.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been a ton of fun. This has been awesome. I, I, I can't wait for movie theaters over, but th- that's, that, I, that's, that's funny you said that. That's why. But, yeah, honestly, like, I we always see driving by, and I'm like, man, like, they, what if they opened up to, like, five people? You know, five people do uh, private. private. You could probably get a private. Mean. You could. Oh,
1: and just think the devastation people talk about, We you know, we have a health issue crisis yeah. with the pandemic but when you think about the economic devastation because every one of those movie theaters employed yeah a, a lot of people oh yeah so every time i drive by one that's closed i really think more about someone's livelihood has yeah. been taken away more than i think about me watching a movie
0: yeah
1: uh and so we we're we'll continue to work together to get this country back to where it should be
0: Absolutely. They should honestly, I've, I've said it for a while. I think they should rent out, they should do movie theaters. should do like, they should air like sporting events. Like you could like, oh, pay, yeah. that'd, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. You could like do, like NFL, NBA, be awesome. But yeah, but this has been so much fun. Thank you so much again. I'm glad you're doing well. This, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for chatting. All right, Thank, thank
1: you Zach. Appreciate Bye. it.
0: Appreciate it.